keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday, March the 10th, 2022. Praise be to God. Today we're going to talk to Father Vincent Lampert, exorcist and priest of the Diocese of Indianapolis. We're going to have a conversation about the occult tarot cards. Should you go to people with tarot cards? Palm reading? How about those botanicas? How about Santa Muerte and all the rest? Horoscopes. Are you reading horoscopes? You shouldn't be. Please don't do that. Uh, We're going to have a conversation with Father Vincent Lampert, exorcist at 35 past the hour. But there are lots of stories that I would like to cover in the What's Concerning Us coming up at 15 past. Uh, Pope Francis apparently has um, fired a bishop in Puerto Rico. The real question is why? And we're going to dive into that story out of the Catholic News Agency. But also, you know, there's been a lot of rumors, lies, and fake news coming out of the UK, Russia, Ukraine story. We've covered some of those stories on this program. One of those stories that I have not covered is American-funded, uh, set-up biolabs in the, the, the Ukraine. Well, we didn't cover that because it seemed like it could be fake news. I mean, who knows? But it turns out, according to a Foreign Relations Committee yesterday with Senator Marco Rubio and, uh, and Undersecretary Victoria Nuland, that may not be the case. We're going to jump into that as well coming up at 15 past the hour. Lots of stories. Russia, speaking of fake, fake news, is saying they didn't bomb a hospital, children's hospital. Is it true? I don't know. Top Russian and uh, Ukrainian diplomats have met. That's good. Praise be to God. The House passes $1.5 trillion spending bill. Of your tax dollars, they're going to give $13.6 billion to you for the Ukraine effort. Georgia governor shuts off taxes at the gas pump to help alleviate some of the suffering of the citizens of Georgia. College you is. I wish the other uh, governors would do that. It would be fun to do. Hey, uh, Rudy, good morning to you. Would you like uh, morning, the Texas Joe. governor, for instance, your new governor, because since you've uh, left California. My would, supreme leader. Would, is that what you're calling him? Yes. The would, emperor of would, Texas. Uh, does he have clothes on? I'm just curious. Uh, I, they say that he does. Okay, good. Praise God. <laughs> would you like him to remove taxes at the gas pump? Do you think that's a wise decision? Look, and <laughs> don't get me started on taxes. But any sort of uh, any sort of relief, I'll take at this moment. Any sort of relief, I know. <laughs> I wonder, actually, uh, what's the uh, the financial bottom line if if they did that? Like, what what would be the impact? And the governor, I guess, is going to do it. I don't know, temporarily or something. I don't know, but I would like to see it. I think it'd be. I'd be a, a leadership move. I would hope so. I might, I might even stay close to the uh, studio as much as I can, even though it's not a house. But uh, would that influence we'll your vote for him coming up in this election? No, not not really. <laughs> maybe maybe it would be on the list. Not, it would be on the list. <laughs> wouldn't be a top priority though. Well, congratulations, Georgians. Your governor is leading the way for you. Praise be to God. Uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. You said speaking of mm-hmm. leading the way. Meaning, are you endorsing me for um. Supreme Monarch of Texas? <laughs> mm, wow. That's awkward. Wow. That's, that's Amazing. Awkward. You know, um. praise be to God, it's good to be here, despite the fact that I'm not yet 
the ruler of Texas, but it'll happen. Don't worry, guys. Uh-huh. Don't worry. Uh-huh. Speaking of fake news, we're going to cover some of that. I've already mentioned that part. Never mind. Hey, let me just uh, let me just say thank you to Tammy Marbury. Tammy, you are awesome. Incredible Catholic Drive Time listener today is taking up prayer, fasting, and penance, offering it for the conversion of grave sinners, heretics, and uh, and blasphemers. Peace in our world. These are our intentions this Holy Lent. And we want to pray especially for those souls that we tend to neglect. We tend not to pray for. We tend not to ask God to convert them uh, because we don't like them most of the time. Uh, They upset us and we don't have anything to do with them. Well, let's not forget them too. Let's pray for their salvation as well. So Tammy today is taken today, praise be to God, and she's going to offer up her prayers, fasting and penance for those intentions, as well as praying the golden arrow prayer, which we are going to pray as we kick off our show for these uh, this, these very same intentions. But let us also include your intentions, dear listener, whatever you're challenged with, and especially the financial difficulties that we are facing and uh, we truly believe are going to get worse. Let's, let's not be anxious about that, but let's at least trust in God for all of our needs. He loves us more than we can even imagine. So let's offer our petitions today for your needs and for your peace and uh and no anxieties. That's kind of what I'm getting to. All right, you ready? Let's do this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now you're breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, March 10th, and these are your headlines. Epic Times reports U.S. is protecting biological research facilities in Ukraine from Russia, says an official. The United States is working to prevent Russia from taking control of Ukraine's biological research facilities, according to Undersecretary of State Political Affairs for, Pol- for Political Affairs, Victoria Newland. Russia has repeatedly perpetuated the accusation that U.S.-funded laboratories in Ukraine are developing biological warfare weapons, but the United States and Ukraine maintain that the laboratories seek to prevent bioweapons and pathogens. Mm-hmm. Breitbart reports Saudi UAE leaders refuse to take Joe Biden's calls on Ukraine and oil. Leaders from Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have reportedly refused to take phone calls from President Joe Biden during the Ukraine crisis after he snubbed them repeatedly during the first year of his administration. The Saudis and Emiratis, uh, Emiratis, I believe is how you pronounce it, have refused to help Biden expand oil production to ease rising gas prices and make up for diminished Russian oil imports and have cited a number of grievances with Biden. The Daily Wire reports massive spending bill could funnel millions to abortion industry, lawmakers warn. The massive omnibus spending bill released early Wednesday morning could funnel millions to the abortion lobby. The spending bill includes a $575 million uh, pledge for family planning internationally. Republican Texas Representative Chip Roy pointed out $286 million for Title X funding to keep the the lights on at Planned Parenthood and $32.5 million for the pro-abortion UN Population Fund. Also, $200 million for the brand new Gender Equity and Equality Action Fund to help promote abortion across the globe. And Axios reports Disney CEO says company opposes Don't Say Gay Bill. 
Disney CEO Bob Shapek told attendees at the company's annual shareholder meeting that the company opposes Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill and were opposed to the bill from the outset. And that's odd, isn't it? Isn't it? A, a child entertainment company is opposed to kids not being sexualized at a young age? Anyway, Shapik said that during a call with DeSantis, he agreed to meet with him and LGBT members of Disney's senior team in Florida. In response to the bill, Shapik pledged $5 million towards organizations, including the Human Rights Campaign, working to protect so-called LGBT rights. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. John Agelve. I think it's German. He was uh, John was the eldest son of Walter Agelve, a respected Calvinist who owned the estate of Drumenkaith in Banffshire. His family was partly Catholic and partly Presbyterian. At the age at the age of 12, he was sent to the European continent to be educated. He attended a number of Catholic educational establishments under the Benedictines at Regensburg in Germany and with the Jesuits at Olmutz in Brunn in Moravia. In the midst of the religious controversies and turmoil that engulfed the Europe of that era, he decided to become a Catholic. Wow. In 1597, at the age of 17, he was received into the Catholic Church by no one else but the great Cornelius Alapide S.J., Professor of Sacred Scripture at the Louvain in Belgium. Agilve uh, joined the Society of Jesus in 1599 and was ordained a priest at Paris in 1613. After ordination, he served in Rouen in Normandy, where he made repeated requests to be sent to Scotland as to minister to the few remaining Catholics in the Glasgow area. After 1560, it had become illegal there to preach, proselytize for, or otherwise endorse Catholicism. It was his hope that some Catholic nobles there would aid him given his lineage. And finding none, he went to London, then back to Paris, and finally returned to Scotland in November 1613, disguised as a horse trader named John Watson. Thereafter, he began to preach in secret, celebrating Mass clandestinely in private homes. This ministry was to last less than a year. In October 1614, Algelvay was discovered and arrested in Glasgow under the orders of Archbishop Spottiswood and was in prison. He was initially treated well, but after continually refusing to confess, was tortured by sleep deprivation. And I can barely survive on four hours of sleep. He aggravated his position by refusing to pledge allegiance to King James, and it was for this crime that he was tried. And during the trial, he accused the king of playing the runegate from God and stated that he would acknowledge him no more than an old hat. Found guilty, he was hanged at Glasgow Cross on 10th of March, 1615, at the age of 36. The customary beheading and quartering were omitted uh, owing to undisguised popular sympathy, and his body was hurried, buried in the, in the churchyard of Glasgow Cathedral. Algeval's last words were, If there be here any hidden Catholics, let them pray for me. But the prayers of heretics... I will not have. After he was pushed from the stairs, he threw his concealed rosary out into the crowd. And according to legend, one of his enemies caught it and subsequently became a devout, lifelong Catholic. After his execution, Ajlaval's followers were rounded up and put in jail. They suffered heavy fines, but none received the death penalty. St. John Ajlaval, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Jesus said to his disciples, Ask, 
and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which one of you would hand his son a stone when he asked for a loaf of bread, or a snake when he asked for a fish? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the law and the prophets, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine would say, asking is that we may get healthiness, healthiness, is that even a word? Healthiness of soul, that we may abide to fulfill the things commanded us. Seeking pertains to the discovery of the truth. But when any has found the true way, he will then come into actual possession, which, however, is only open to him that knocks. Close quote, St. Augustine pray for us. Now, I found it very fascinating here this morning, looking at Hadock's commentary on this, looking at the context around this passage. And let me just give you this really quickly. What comes before the ask and you shall find, as seek and you, you know, knock and it'll be opened? What comes before this? Comes before this? Sermon on the Mount, right? This is actually part of the Sermon on the Mount, but the Sermon on the Mount. So the Beatitudes, you have heard that it was said, all of that, be perfect, is your, all of that. It also, you can't serve two masters, came before this. Do not be anxious, came before this. Do not judge, came before this. Do not profane the holy things, came right before this. What comes right after this? The narrow gate and the very few that will actually be saved. The false prophets. And you can't just be hearers of the word. You have to be doers of the word. All that surrounds, bookends this particular passage, speaking to his disciples. So what is the takeaway here? I'm asking a lot of you, but do not fear. I will be with you. Ask, and I will help you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and I will open that door. Or as the book of Revelation says, I will come in and I will eat with you. It's a, it's a powerful reality when you think about aligning your principle, your, your worldview to that of God's. That's what St. Therese meant when she said, I get whatever I want from God because I want whatever he gives me. When we align, well, miracles happen in our life. But what's when we align those priorities? And do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. In the next hour, I'll share with you what St. Chrysostom said, why God doesn't answer your prayers. All that coming up. But after this very break, we're going to have breaking news and stories. Or no, we're going to jump into some what's concerning us stories. The bishop in Puerto Rico got fired. Why? Labs in Ukraine. We're going to talk about that more. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. A common charge atheists level at Christians is that their faith is blind. That's to say, their belief is without evidence. How is a Christian to respond? Well, first, Christianity doesn't demand that someone believe without evidence. For example, John writes in John 20, 31, Jesus' signs are written that you may believe. John sees his testimony of Jesus' miracles as sufficient evidence to merit rational belief by those who couldn't see him perform the signs. Second, the charge takes evidence as that which is personally verified. But if that were the only evidence worthy of belief, 
well, then we would have to reject the practice of science, since we can't personally verify every scientific conclusion made prior to us. But that's absurd. So the charge that Christian faith is blind faith is unfounded, and thus not a reason to reject Christianity. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. My, my microphone has a mind of its own. It's trying to scroll away from me. Coming up at 35 past the hour, a priest from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and an exorcist, Father Vincent Lampert. We've had him on in the past. It's been a while now since we've had him on, but we've invited him back. and We're going to be conversating with him coming up in the bottom half of this hour about the occult. You know, di- diabolical activity in the in the world, but uh, sh- why should Catholics? Why should anybody, Catholic or not, not get involved in the occult? And what is the occult? And all of that coming up at thirty-five past the hour. Join us for that if you can. But there are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Let me start with the biolab story out of the Ukraine. We've talked about this a number of times. I think we talked about this, Rudy, you and I yesterday during the after show. And I'm going to post our That's conversation. Right on one of our YouTube channels, probably later today, hopefully, nice. about that. Because it's been difficult to sort fact from fiction in all this. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, you, you get certain stories that uh, that come out and they seem okay, and then it turns out they had nothing yeah, <laughs> nothing to do I with mean, reality. I mean, so right. this is one of those, you know, that, that there supposedly weren't any labs there, and now they're it, admitting that they're labs. Well, it's been not, circulating, yeah. and I didn't bite on it because, like, I don't know. I was like, who you knows? Know. I don't know. Right. Like, I just don't know. Well, here's an article really quickly. I'm not going to spend too much time on this story, but let me just tell you. This is an article out of the National Pulse, and here's the headline. Exclusive. Deleted web pages show Obama led an effort to build a Ukraine-based biolab handling, quote, especially dangerous pathogens, close quote. And uh, let me just uh, summarize this National Pulse article for you. Essentially, what they're saying is going back to 2005, then-Senator from Illinois, Barack Obama, before he becomes president, and uh, the senator from uh, the senator, U.S. Senator Dick Lugar, they got together, they worked together to establish biolabs in Ukraine in cooperation with the Department of Defense. And they were handling especially dangerous pathogens. That's, that's what this article says. So the National Pulse has dug up these uh, deleted, now deleted articles and web pages. The one they have posted on this article is from bioprepwatch.com. And the headline of that says, Biolab opens in Ukraine, and it's dated to June 17th, 2010. And it essentially says that, that the, the Senator Barack Obama and Senator Dick Luger got together, and they are working with the Department of Defense to establish these biolabs in the Ukraine. Okay, great. 
Uh, very dangerous pathogens is really what they're saying. They're saying they're working on, uh, I think, the flu. The avian flu was one of them. I mean, there was, uh, who knows? Anthrax. I don't know. I mm. mean, dangerous stuff seems bad to me, but how would I know? But at the same time, like I said, who knows if this stuff is true or not? It's hard to tell unless you have a research staff to dig into it. it you know, So I passed on this story for a long time, until yesterday. Going over to Senator Marco Rubio's YouTube channel, you can see his exchange yesterday in the uh, Foreign Relations Committee with the Honorable Victoria Nuland, the Undersecretary of State, and she is focused on the Ukraine situation right now. He was grilling her a little bit on why we would buy uh, oil from Venezuela, a corrupt state with a dictator, and why would we do that at all? And then he, his last couple of questions were on Ukraine. Adrian, do me a favor. Play that short clip of his exchange on the biolabs. Um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching uh, it's like watching uh, the hunt for Red October all over again. I mean, great film, but classic Russian move. At the bottom of the hour, he always turns to the left. Yeah, uh-huh. Remember that? I love that film. It's a great film. You should watch it again. <laughs> but uh, so it's it, apparently it's true. Now, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Department of Defense has denied any relations with those labs. And again, I don't know. But I do know this. It came out that uh, Dr. Fauci and his crew did coordinate efforts with Wuhan lab. So maybe there's a precedent there. But again, why are we doing this? I just it boggles the mind uh, why we would do these types of things. And it reminded me that in our 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 republic, our representative democracy, where we vote for people to represent us in Washington for public policy and whatnot. Do you get a vote on what the CIA does? Do you get a vote on what our intelligence agencies do overseas? No, you don't. None of your votes will, will necessarily stop or impact some of their operations over there. Maybe some it does, but some it doesn't, right? Like we don't get to vote on what our foreign policies are when it comes to our intelligence agencies, Department of State, and those kinds of things. Those are bureaucracies that stay while the representatives come and go. So whether there's a Republican in office or a Democrat in office, a lot of that stuff stays the same. And that's the part I always struggle with. It's like, do we really want as a people, because it's our country, it's not belonging to the politicians, they represent our interest. Do we really want biolabs sponsored in the Ukraine or in China or anywhere else on planet Earth? I'm not sure we do. If we need biolabs, let's, you know, we can do that in-house internally here in the country. Do we need them there? I don't know. It just seems rather strange to me. Let me, let me turn to another story that I saw today that I found very interesting. This one is out of the Catholic News Agency. 
The headline goes, Catholic Bishop in Puerto Rico says his removal by Pope Francis is totally unjust. So this is a fascinating story because we you might not have heard this because it kind of happens quietly. These bishops, they get removed. There was one in Tennessee not all that long ago. And bye, see ya. And we never hear from them again. We don't know. Like, what happens to them? I mean, Cardinal Gerhard Mueller, I guess, went home and he writes and comments. I mean, I, I, like, what else does he do? He's a cardinal of the church, and I, he has no official position as far as I know. And does, like, so here again, what is this bishop going to do? So here's a little bit of the article. It says, a Catholic bishop in Puerto Rico described his removal from office by Pope Francis on Wednesday as totally unjust. Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres, who has led the diocese of uh, Arecibo, Arecibo, I know I'm good. Arecibo. Thank you. Thank you. You're going to have to pitch in here today. Arcibo, <laughs> since 2010, said he had been asked to resign because, quote, he had not been obedient to the Pope, nor had I been in, uh, in sufficient communion with my brother bishops of Puerto Rico, close quote. College you is, you're a rebel. What have you done, good sir? How have you not been in sufficient communion with the other bishops of Puerto Rico? Well, the article says the Holy See Press Office announced on March 9th that the Pope had relieved the 57-year-old bishop of pastoral care of his diocese. The Vatican did not give a reason for the Pope's decision. Pope Francis appointed Bishop Alvaro Corrada del Rio, SJ, Bishop Emeritus, and as Apostolic Administrator of the Diocese in the north of the island of Puerto Rico and unincorporated territory of the United States. In a March 9th declaration published on the Dossison website, Fernandez Torres strongly objected to his removal. He said, I deeply regret that in the church where mercy is so much preached, in practice, some lack a minimum sense of justice. Going on to say, no process has been made against me, nor have I been fully accused of anything. And simply, one day, the apostolic delegate, the Pope's representative in Puerto Rico, verbally communicated to me that Rome was asking me to resign. A successor of the apostles is now being replaced without even undertaking what would be a canonical process to remove a parish priest. Yikes. Let that sink in. How is that merciful, I wonder? He goes on to say, a quote, I was informed that I had committed no crime, but that I supposedly had not been obedient to the Pope, nor had I been in sufficient communion with my brother bishops. Uh, he goes on to say, it was suggested to me that if I resigned from the diocese, I would remain at the service of the church in case at some time I was needed in some other position, an offer that in fact proves my innocence. However, I did not resign because I did not want to become an accomplice to a totally unjust action, and that even now I am reluctant to think that it could happen in our church. Close quote. The imminent removal of Fernandez Torres was reported March 8th in the Spanish side of uh, CNA. The news agency said that the bishop had clashed with other bishops in Puerto Rico, a Caribbean island with six dioceses. Uh, ACI uh, Prensa explained that Fernandez Torres had initially resisted sending his seminaries to the new interdiocesan inter seminary in Puerto Rico, approved by the Vatican in 2020. So that's crime number one, apparently. He has refused to send his seminarians to the interdiocesan seminary, so that's one. Hmm. The, the bishop uh, also supported conscientious objections to compulsory vaccinations against COVID-19 in a statement published on August the 17th, 2021. And herein lies the real kicker. 
It's really not about the seminarians, is it? He made the intervention after Puerto Rico, after Pedro, the governor of Puerto Rico, issued an ex- executive order that all government and healthcare workers, both in public and private institutions, must be vaccinated as well as workers in the hotel industry. In his letter, the bishop said that, quote, it is legitimate for a faithful Catholic to have doubts about the safety and efficacy of a vaccine, given what the pharmaceutical companies or drug regulatory agencies say is in no way a dogma of faith, close quote. Going on to say, and that safety and efficacy are relevant and necessary data for moral judgment, close quote, he explained. But it turns out the bishops of Puerto Rico wanted to come out with a statement making it not cool for Catholics to claim. It goes on to say, a joint statement issued on August the 24th by the Puerto Rican bishops, which said that, quote, there is a duty to be vaccinated and that we do not see how a conscientious objection can be invoked from Catholic morality, close quote. Well, guess what? Bishop Fernandez Torres refused to sign the statement. And this is how he was not in sufficient communion with his brother bishops apparently, and not obedient to the Holy Father. But that's not it. That's not all. He also was an outspoken critic of gender ideology, describing new legislation in February 2021 as religious persecution and a violation of parental rights. And for this, apparently, I mean, who knows, because the Vatican's not speaking, so maybe they have another side of the story. Maybe they have, there's more information that we don't know and don't have, and if we do get that, then we'll, we'll share that as an update. But it is interesting to see that a bishop who has spoken out about the right of Catholics to have a conscience and say, I don't think I can take this. I mean, what if my doctor says that I have genetic markers that could make me susceptible to injury or death even? I mean, who knows? Let alone the issue of aborted babies and their tissues being used in the development and the distribution or the process of making these, testing them in any way of these vaccines. We don't want to be a part of that. So many of us don't, and yet it's become a major make-or-break issue in the Catholic body. Let's pray. Let's pray for unity in the church and pray for this bishop. We'll be right back. Breaking news and stories Rudy and Father Vincent Lampert's up next. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. AP reports, gene-edited beef cattle get regulatory clearance in U.S. U.S. regulators cleared the way for the sale of beef from gene-edited cattle in coming years after the Food and Drug Administration concluded the animals do not raise any safety concerns. The cattle by Recombinetics are the third genetically altered animals given a green light for human consumption in the U.S. after salmon and pigs. Many other foods are already made with genetically modified ingredients from crops like soybeans and corn. Reuters reports Ukraine sees risk of radiation leak at Chernobyl. IAEA says no critical impact on safety. State-run nuclear company Energoatom said that a high-voltage power line had been damaged during fighting between Ukrainian troops and Russian forces who are occupying, occupying the defunct plant, and that it has been cut off from the national power grid. It said radioactive substances could eventually be released, threatening other parts of Ukraine and Europe if there is no power to cool spent nuclear fuel stored at the plant that suffered the world's, uh, the world's worst nuclear accident in 1986. And the police reports Biden to issue an executive order directing the development of a fully digital dollar. Biden's executive order is expected to address outstanding issues the federal government has pertaining to cryptocurrencies, including the abundance of fraudulent activity occurring in the digital marketplace. It will require the Treasury Department, the Commerce Department, and other key agencies to pre prepare reports on the future of money, especially central bank digital currencies. Biden's executive order also directs the federal government to determine what infrastructure is needed for the implementation of a digital currency. And The Hill reports Democratic governors call for gas tax suspension. Six Democratic governors have asked congressional leaders to suspend the federal gas tax as fuel prices spike to unprecedented heights. The federal government charges an excise tax of 18.4 cents per gallon. It has not increased since 1993. The national average price of a gallon of gas on Wednesday stood at $4.25, up, uh, up 5 cents from Tuesday, and up almost 80 cents from a month ago. Last year, the average price stood at around $2.79. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Very grateful. Uh, Father Vincent Lampert joins us down by Zoom. He is a priest, a parish priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, uh, my family's home turf. Praise be to God. And then, of course, also an exorcist uh, continuing with his uh, consultation at the diocese, archdiocese there. Good morning to you, Father Vincent Lampert. Yes, good morning. It's good to be with you again. Praise be to God. We're glad to have you on our program. It's been a while since you've been on, and we wanted to ask you about a few things today. Um, number one, let's start with uh, the demonic activity in the world. You know, okay, so the curiosity killed the cat. That's what uh, well, an exorcist, <laughs> exorcist once, 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 once told, told me. me. And we have to be careful about what, what we think we should know or want to know or think what we're entitled to know. I get that. So I'm not entitled. It's above my pay grade to know a lot in uh, the in the angelic world. <laughs> However, many of us are asking, many of us uh, poor lay folk are asking, golly gee whiz, with all the craziness in this world, is there an uptick in diabolical activity? I wonder what an exorcist would say. Father Vincent, what would you say? I would say there is absolutely an uptick in demonic activity today. I always like to say that it isn't necessarily that the devil has upped his game, but I do think that more people today are playing the devil's game. Mm. Do you, is that a, is, should that concern us? I mean, I, besides the obvious, right? I mean, like, of course, <laughs> yes, but like, is, is there something like that's dif different now? Something has changed. Is the, it, the world feels like it's at a different pace. 
You know what I mean? Like, uh, I sense the pandemic, and now wars, rumors of wars, pr- plagues and pestilences. A lot of people are starting to ask some questions and looking up and wondering if the second coming is around the corner. What would you say to that? I would say I think the reason there's been an uptick is that faith has been in decline for many years in the Western world. I mean, Christianity built Western civilization, but there are many people today that seem to have become bored in their relationship with God, and they're looking for something new. Mm. And unfortunately, when they look for something new, they're dabbling in things like the occult, and they don't perhaps fully realize that they could be opening themselves up to the reality of evil. You know, this is one of my problems with, my personal problems with trusting trusting my fellow citizens and trying to make the best decisions for our, our country, for our communities, and for our families. Because I think too often, even even in the evangelical world, they, they become more uh, secularist than they are Christian. They, they, their worldview is more the world, the flesh, and the devil than it is in, in the uh, salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I, I, I find myself wanting to, to distance myself from them and not really trusting them in that way. And I, as a result, I also see them um, blur the lines between what they know they should do and shouldn't do. And I think the occult is one of those examples. For instance, horoscopes. How many Catholics, let alone non-Catholic Christians, are out there reading horoscopes every day? Uh, how often do you encounter that sort of thing? I encounter it all the time. I think many people fail to realize that there are a lot of practices out there that are just inconsistent with our with our Christian faith, whether it's reading horoscopes, you know, sometimes it's not popular to say those things, or even the practice of yoga. There are a lot of things that are just inconsistent with our Christian faith that people fall into, and then once they fall into it, they begin to drift further and further away from our faith, and in my opinion, they enter more into the world of the the diabolic. You know, Father, I was just thinking about the uh, the fact that right now we see a uh, we're talking about the uptake in occult activity and things like this. But, you know, the thing that scares me is how public it's become, how uh, accepted it's become. I'm just thinking of the fact that yesterday Joe was talking about the uh, this witch who came out, and I'm not going to talk too much about the story because it's a family-friendly show, but she was talking about having sex education for children and goes into these horrible, disgusting details into about what she wants to teach all the way down to three years old, and it just so happens that she's a witch. And But the response for a lot of conservatives from a lot of uh, people in the mainstream media and just in your average Joes are like, oh, come on, she's not a witch. Witches don't exist. Uh, could you speak a little bit about that? Witches do certainly exist, and it may not be this mindset that we have, you know, like the Halloween witch, <laughs> but there are people that are very much in league with Satan, if you will, and they're trying to advance his agenda and advance his kingdom. And the devil works in very subtle ways, you know, gets people off track, and perhaps we've been off track for a long time and we don't even fully realize it. I always believe that most people need to be concerned about the ordinary activity of the devil. He gets us to buy into his lies, the deception. And then once we buy into the deception, it leads to division. We find ourselves broken. And once we're broken, it leads to diversion, meaning we're looking for a substitute or a replacement for God. And then that diversion leads finally to discouragement, whereby we just lack 
meaning, purpose, and direction in our lives. And the example you're giving of that witch is all meant to get the human person off the pathway to God, which leads to holiness and virtue. What is the what is like the most frequent example that you encounter as an exorcist of people dabbling in the diabolic or the occult and not even really know what they're doing? A lot of times I think it's when people go see psychics or medians and, mm. you know, they're using tarot cards and pendulums and crystals and all of that. You mentioned horoscopes. Again, it's all this notion of magic because people want to glimpse into the future. But, you know, it, you know, the reality is that as a people, we should always trust and rely on God, that God is going to watch out and care and take care of us. But when we dabble in the occult, mm -hmm. basically we're, we're succumbing to the temptation of the devil in the Garden of Eden there in the book of Genesis, where the devil says to Eve, you will become like God. People dabble in the occult because we want to become God. We want to be in charge. We want to set the rules. And, and when that happens, it's the world in which we live today. You know, we have about two minutes before we go to break, but uh, one thing I was thinking of is the, you mentioned the, the ordinary means of temptation, the ordinary activity of the devil, and that's uh, very serious, and that's probably what leads, or not probably, but it's, it is what leads most people into hell, but we see, we're seeing a lot of uptake in the extraordinary means of the devil, use of the devil, and I'm thinking of these drag queen story times where these drag queens will dress up like demons, uh, will have have um, the these Satanists do demonstrations in public squares, testing the limits of religious liberty. Could you speak about the the Satanists taking up space in the public square? Yeah, I think they they want to take up space in the public square because it diminishes the reality of God, and you know all of that just seems really fun and entertaining. A lot of people today look at the Christian faith; they say it's boring. Many Catholics will say going to Mass, it's the same old thing again and again. There's just no excitement there. And so when you look at the world of the demonic, it seems more entertaining, but people don't realize that that entertainment is drawing them into that world of deception, and then eventually it's going to destroy people's lives. We're talking with Father Vincent Lampert. He is an exorcist of the Diocese of Indianapolis. We're, we're coming up to just a break here. Uh, what would you say, uh, Father Vincent, real quick, get about a minute to go, what would you say to people who have dabbled in all this stuff? Should they go to confession? Should they? Is there something more that they're going to have to do? What, what do you say? The very first place they should begin, absolutely, is go to confession. You know, we, we can repent. The human person has the capacity to grow in our understanding and knowledge. We can realize that we've done wrong and we turn back to God. And God is always going to welcome us back. We are God's children. We're created in the image and likeness of God. And anything that we can confess and give over to God and place in God's hands, then the devil can no longer use that against us. All right, hold that thought. Father Vincent Lampert is our guest. Praise be to God. We're very grateful. An exorcist out of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Great place, by the way. Got many family members out there. Uh, but we're going to have a short break. We're going to come right back and continue our conversation. So a lot more to come. If you've got questions, you're hanging out on the live feed, leave them in the comments. We'll be right back. Obedience is the second temptation of the devil for Jesus in the wilderness. The evil one showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. Then he said to Jesus, I shall give to you all this power and their glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. 
But Jesus again quotes from Deuteronomy and says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Unlike the Israelites who gave in to the false worship of the golden calf when they grew impatient of Moses up on Mount Sinai, Jesus stays firm and loyal to the first commandment of the law, to not worship false gods or idols, and to remain obedient to God his Father alone. Let us reflect on any false gods, idols, or priorities in our lives during this holy season of Lent. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. Good morning. Father Vincent Lampert is our guest, a priest and an exorcist out of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Welcome back to the show, Father. Thank you again for your time. Yes, it's good to be with you. When I was young, when I was in the Marine Corps, I, I went to a, uh, a palm reader. I did the horoscopes and all of that, and I didn't know better. And I was appalled many years later when I became Catholic to discover, like, all oh, that's really, really bad, let alone play with, like, uh, the Ouija board when I was a kid. You know, I think, a lo- I think a lot of people just don't know. Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think so many Catholics or Christians uh, just don't know that these things are bad? I think there's just a lot of folks that just don't know our faith well enough. You know, sometimes people, their only investment in their faith may be going to church on Sunday. But, you know, it's so important for people to to live out their faith throughout the week. You know, as Christians, we need to be praying every day. We need to be reading sacred scripture. As Catholics, we need to be celebrating the sacramental life of the church. We need to be going to Mass. And it should be going to church on Sunday should be the culmination of our faith commitment throughout the week. But if, if Sunday is the only thing we're doing, no wonder people are detached and trying to attach more to things of the occult. Yes, Father, I, I agree. And to piggyback off what you just said, I do think there is a lack of catechesis, a lack of understanding of the faith. Um, but I wanted to to tell you the story. You know, I went to Mexico in 2017, and one of the things that I found really disturbing was that there was a, a cultural Catholicism there. There was a, a mm. cultural Catholicism there, but it wasn't. It didn't have very deep roots. Instead, there was a, a very deep tendency towards naturalism and towards divination, paganism, and and so-called magic. Um, what what in your experience do you think is causing the devil to attack these historically Catholic nations? I think the devil. You know, the devil is an opportunist. So he looks at the world today that seems to be fractured in so many ways. People have been isolated because of COVID-19, and we're trying to come out of all of that. And so the devil has taken advantage of those things and perhaps drawing people back into pre-Christian times and religions and practices and whatnot. And he's doing that, again, as a way to advance his kingdom, because all of these things basically are deifying the human person. Mm. You know, we're trying to take the place of God, and 
I always, one of my favorite quotes from St. Augustine, our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. You know, God has created us for himself. And if we're not fostering that relationship with God, and we're turning to all these other things, we're on a dead-end street. And that's where the devil wants us to get to, a dead-end street that's just going to lead to discouragement and despair and isolation. And again, we can see some of that just prevalent in the world today. Father, I received a question from our one of the GRN contributors, uh, host of our Monday morning show at 8 a.m. Central Time, Bree Dale. She asked, an exorcist told me last year that there has been a serious division amongst the group of U.S. exorcists on method of deliverance, divide and conquer being the ultimate tactic of the enemy. What is your view on the fruits of the different Catholic groups and how are exorcist, exorcists handling divisions in their ranks? Uh, Father, what say you? Absolutely. I think, you know, the, you know, the line in Scripture, you strike the shepherd and you scatter the sheep. You know, if there's some disagreements amongst exorcists and the whole world of the ministry of exorcism and deliverance, the devil wants to insert himself into that discussion, that division, as a way to fracture the ministry. So I do think that's happening. I just want to think of that great line in sacred Scripture when the you know the disciples say to Jesus, we saw somebody casting out demons in you know in your name, and we try to prevent him because he's not in our company. And Jesus says, "Don't prevent him because anyone who's not against us is for us." You know, and Father, I think we yeah. No, go, ahead. go ahead. I was I, just going to say that the the work today is so great that anybody that wants to to dive in and help combat the devil, I say, welcome, welcome. Yeah, it's very interesting, Father, because I had—I really didn't know that there were a difference in method. For some reason, I just had an idea that there was a uh, a set uh, text that everybody just we we knew. You followed the rubrics, and that was the manner of exorcism. I didn't realize that there were different methods. Could you speak a little bit about that? A little bit. Well, I think in the United States, there may be methods that are coming from non-Catholic sources. Mm. At least for me, I find it so important to stick. A, with exactly what the church has put out, you know, as a stably appointed exorcist in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, I want to do what the church is doing. Because if I'm not standing with the church, I'm going to get myself in trouble because, you know, Jesus promised to remain with the church always and that the jaws of death would not prevail against it. There are exorcists, I think, that sometimes start adding and subtracting from the right maybe thinking that somehow this seems to be more effective or whatever. But again, I, when I trained in Rome back in 2006, the exorcist who trained me told me that if you're ever doing an exorcism and you think it's all about you, then you just walk on an unholy ground. Because in an exorcism, Jesus is not a bystander. He's the main actor, which is why exorcists always need to stand with the church and have the power and the authority of the church behind him. We're talking with Father Vincent Lampert uh, from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Father, let me ask you a question. I have encountered this many times in, in my life as a Catholic. Uh, lay folk trying to get into what and act like exorcists, like thinking that they can somehow do this. I've seen it amongst Catholics. I've seen it amongst non-Catholics. What do you say about lay folk uh, trying to perform exorcisms or thinking that they can or should? What, what would you say about that? Oftentimes, the reason they claim to do that is by, by virtue of their baptism. But certainly, from a Catholic perspective, an exorcism is a liturgical rite of the Church. You know, it falls under the, 
the discipline of the sacramental life of the church. So as a liturgical rite, there's a prescribed way for it to be done. 1986, Cardinal Rodsinger, the future Benedict XVI, said that uh, lay people should not be giving commands to demons in the Catholic tradition. You know, there can be an exorcism where a command is given to a demon. There's also a supplicating exorcism or a minor exorcism, which is a prayer directed to God. Now, in that case, anyone could say a supplicating exorcism prayer. Again, God is being addressed, such as, God, see how your servant is afflicted. Please come to their aid. And anyone can pray on behalf of someone else. But the church makes it very clear from the Catholic perspective that only the priest appointed by his bishop has the authority to give commands to demons. We have a question for one of our, our listeners here. Christopher Chance asks, uh, just as it is important to recognize that certain practices can lead to demonic influence, uh, I think that's some of the occult practices you mentioned earlier, Father, he goes on to say, how important is it to make sure we don't assign too much power to the devil? Father Vincent Lampert. Absolutely. I, I tell people as an exorcist, my focus is not on what the devil is doing but I want to help people better understand what God wants to do in their lives. And anything the devil is doing, we should turn it around and use it against him. You know, anything the devil is doing to advance his kingdom, we can flip it around and use it to advance the kingdom of God. Great example in an exorcism, when the priest uses a crucifix, it's to show the devil, you know, the moment that you believe that you had won, Christ is being crucified. The moment of your perceived victory actually becomes the moment of your defeat. And so the exorcist is saying to the demon, you've been defeated before, you will be defeated again, so do not resist the power and the authority of Christ. What do you say to lay folk who have a lot of anxiety? And I'm thinking it's particularly like even my own daughter the other day, we were having a conversation and she was uh, something that had to, to do with the devil and the diabolic, and she was very kind of anxious and scared going off to bed. What do you say to, to Catholics who have some anxiety about the fear of the devil or the the fallen angels? I think the devil, people need to realize, is that, you know, he's, he's an illusionist. He wants to present himself as something more than he is. But essentially, the devil is a coward. He's already defeated by Christ on the cross. The more that we embrace what Christ has done for us on the cross, then we come to know the devil is nothing to fear. I always like to say the devil is like a cockroach. You know, you go into a room that, you know, that has roaches in it, and it's dark and you turn on the light, the bugs all crawl for every crack and crevice. Mm. The light scares them away. In an exorcism, we can say the church is throwing the light of Jesus Christ on those afflicted by the evil one. And when that happens, the demons will flee. They'll show their true character, which means that uh, there really are nothing to be afraid of. And I think the more that we know our faith, the line in scripture, perfect faith will cast out fear. If people are afraid, they need to take that fear and use it to draw much more deeper in their faith and their commitment to Jesus Christ. Growing in that commitment, then people will come to know the devil is nothing to fear. That's so true, Father. You know, I could I could ask you a million questions. I'm I'm glad that we have you on the program today. Two minutes to go. Uh, one uh, one of our <laughs> one of our viewers has asked. You know, how, can one be possessed and not know it? And I, and I just wonder if you could explain demonic possession versus demonic oppression. Yeah, demonic, uh, you know, the, the four different extraordinary types, infestation, the presence of evil in a location or with an object. There can be vexation, which are physical attacks, obsession, which are mental attacks, and then possession. In possession, 
the devil or one of his demons will take control of a person's body, treating that body as if it were its own. Why would they do that? The devil's trying to replicate the incarnation. The greatest thing God did for us is take on human form in the person of Jesus Christ. The devil, who wants to mimic God in, in, in any and every way, believes that he takes on human form by possessing someone. And then people that are being you know, attacked by the devil, it's because they created some entry point or connection with the demonic into their life. And then the devil is going to come through that crack and try to come in and destroy the person's life. Well, we're down to just about a minute now with Father Vincent Lampert, exorcist out of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Father, would you give us your blessing, please? Absolutely. It's been great to be with you today. May Almighty God watch over, bless, and protect all of you. May you know the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. May he help you to overcome any fear in your life. May you always walk the path of our Lord, especially during this holy season of Lent, and in doing so, grow in holiness and virtue. And may Almighty God send his blessing upon all of you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God love you, Father. Have a great day. Thank you for your time. That's going to yes, do it. Yes, you're welcome. God bless you. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Great hour. We really enjoyed it. If you can, hang out with us in the next hour. We would love to have you on our game show even. If prizes are in stake. And plus, we have an after show where we conversate with you. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cd to get the live video link as well. Right there, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. The rule of St. Benedict has guided monastic communities for nearly 1,500 years. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Benedictine monks still use the book every day to order our daily lives. So what's the secret to the rule's vitality? Moderation and flexibility. St. Benedict calls it a little rule for beginners. Since we're really all beginners, the rule is as relevant for you as it is for monastic communities. It helps us believe, I can be holy too. The rule is also flexible. St. Benedict makes it clear that everything takes a back seat to the guiding principle of saving souls. In St. Benedict's rule, the goal is holiness. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com Remember, holiness is the end point, not the place where most of us start. 
Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Thursday, March the 10th. 2022, and you are, I don't know, know, 30 hours maybe away (laughs) from your weekend, something like that, 30 hours from your week. I wonder what you're going to do. Glorious. 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 I hope my weekend's going to be better than past week, but neither here nor there. We had a great conversation with Father Vincent Lampert, an exorcist in the last, we covered a ton of ground in, in our conversation with Father Vincent Lampert, so if you missed it, well... Get up earlier is one solution. Another is to just go to our podcast and make sure you're listening on the podcast, which you can get via downloading our GRN mobile app. If you go to your iOS or Android uh, mobile app stores, look for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Download and install it. It's free. You can listen to your local GRN radio station live audio stream there. You can also get the podcast of Catholic Drive Time right through our apps. Fantastic way to stay in touch, up to date, and connected to what we do here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. Also, go to your IO, uh, go to the iTunes or Google Play or Spotify and search for the Catholic Drive Time. But you gotta promise me you'll leave a five star review. Now I know what you're thinking, but Joe, I don't believe you've earned five stars. Okay, all right, let, hear me out. Leave us five stars, but in the comments, thrash us. Okay, really give us a swift and hard beating in the in the comments. But just put five stars up there. Why? Because five stars means that our podcast goes up in the catalog and more strangers, people you don't even know, will discover our show. So it's a winner for everybody involved. You get to be a missionary and plant seeds in the hearts of complete strangers. Praise be to God. So consider that today. Five-star review on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or wherever else you find the Catholic Drive Time podcast. Speaking of five stars, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. And I have uh, Father Vincent Lambert next to me. If you see, if you're watching online, <laughs> I always forget they to take that off. They always hang out with you. I know. It's I always awkward. I take them off of everybody else, but I always forget myself. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good, good morning but, to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Are you, uh, you have anything planned already for the weekend? Even though, It's like I'm looking forward to the weekend. Sleeping. Uh, me too. The first time in a week. It's me too. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to try and go to the rodeo. Oh yeah! Hey now, it's gonna be great. Are you gonna like do the the cattle wrestling thing? They're gonna let you get out there and like rope a cattle or a calf or? I actually signed up to ride a bull. Did you? I did. Oh, uh, we have to have video. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, we have to. Adrian, we're try- you have to go with Rudy to the rodeo to film it. We're trying I to have uh, to go to the rodeo. Our, you, yes. Oh. Upon pain. Oh, oh no! Something. This is terrible. Yes. I guess. Ugh. 
But do you know, your because duty, good sir. Because it's for work, though, I can uh, charge I, the. Uh, I suppose. The card, right. Uh huh. The, the company. Yeah, the, your card, right? the one you got in your pocket. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're, we're trying to update the uh, intro video, so maybe you'll see me writing a bowl. There you go. Intro. That would be cool. That would be, be kind of funny. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in this hour of Catholic Drive Time, dear listener, we're going to have a fun time with you. We do have good news for you. Praise be to God. Uh, uh, what are you laughing at? Well, Rick Sturm, I'll start a GoFundMe for Rudy's hospital bills. Thanks. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yeah, little Appreciate it. Look at Rudy is stout. He can handle it. He's been in Texas for what, three, four months now? Got my capital boots You on. got this. I mean, anyway, dear listener, we're going to play our game Fear and Trembling at 15 past the hour. If you've never played, let me encourage you. If you tried to call yesterday and didn't get on, call back, call early. I'll give you the number of 15 pass, but we do put the number on the website. So go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And by the way, uh, lest I should forget, today is the day we send out our CDT Insider email. So make sure you're on our email list. So if you like extra and exclusive content, plus we have a private group chat now just for the CDT Insiders on Telegram. And if you want to be a part of the Insider chat, well, then you got to be on the email list to get access to that. So go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to uh, join that by looking for the CDT Insider email list link. Click that. You'll get all the information you need. Can I thank Tammy Marbury this morning? Tammy, you are amazing. Not only are you hanging out with us on YouTube this morning, but you've also chosen today to offer up your prayers, your fasting, and your penances for our intentions and our 2022 Lenten campaign. God love you, Tammy. We are so grateful that you're doing that today, part of the team. Speaking of which, let's dive in. Let's pray. Let's get started. We're going to pray the Golden Arrow Prayer for our campaign this, this month, or for Lent anyway. Would you join me? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, glorified in heaven, on earth and under the earth, by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's a story that gives me uh, kind of a weird sinking feeling. The Blaze Report's endurance has been found. Ernest Shackleton's lost ship discovered after 107 years. Sir Ernest Shackleton's famously lost ship Endurance has been found at the bottom of the Weddell Sea more than a century after it sank. The Endurance was lost in 1915 after being trapped and crushed by ice before sinking, forcing Shackleton and his crew to embark on what became one of the greatest survival stories ever recorded. A team of intrepid explorers and scientists discovered the wreck Wednesday off the coast of Antarctica at the depth of more than 9,800 feet. The 144-foot wooden ship is reported to be remarkably well-preserved, with its name clearly visible on the stern. Menson Bound, director of Endurance 22 Expedition, said, This is by far the finest wooden shipwreck I have ever seen. It is upright, well proud of the seabed, intact, and in a brilliant state of preservation. The discovery of the wreck is an incredible achievement, said mission leader and polar geographer Dr. John Shears. We have successfully completed the world's most difficult shipwreck search, battling constantly shifting sea ice, blizzards, and temperatures dropping down to negative 18 Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Excuse me. We have achieved what many people said was impossible. The Endurance will be preserved as a historic site and a monument under the 1959 Antarctic Treaty. And that's really good news. I'd love you. 
the saint of the day is a name that I can barely pronounce. Saint John Ogilvy. John was the eldest son of Walter Ogilvy, a respected Calvinist who owned the estate of Drum Drumnakaith in Banffshire. His family was partly Catholic and partly Presbyterian. And at the age of 12, he was sent to the European continent to be educated. He attended a number of Catholic educational establishments under the Benedictines at Regensburg in Germany and with the Jesuits at Olmutz in Brunn in Moveria. In the midst of the religious controversies and turmoil that engulfed the Europe of that era, he decided to become a Catholic. Wow. In 1597, at the age of 17, he was received into the Catholic Church by the great and wonderful Cornelius Alapide S.J. The professor of sacred scripture at the Louvain in Belgium, Augelvay joined the Society of Jesus in 1599 and was ordained a priest at Paris in 1613. After ordination, he served in Rouen in Normandy, where he made repeated requests to be sent to Scotland to minister to the few remaining Catholics in the Glasgow area. After 1560, it had become illegal there to preach, to proselytize for, or otherwise endorse Catholicism. It was his hope that some Catholic nobles there would aid him given his lineage, but finding none, he went to London, then back to Paris, and finally returned to Scotland in November of 1613. He disguised as a horse trader named John Watson, and thereafter he began to preach in secret, celebrating Mass clandestinely in private homes. This ministry was to last less than a year in October of 1614. Ogilvy was discovered and arrested in Glasgow under the orders of the Archbishop Spodgenswood and was imprisoned. He was initially treated well, but after continually refusing to confess, was tortured by sleep deprivation. And I feel terrible after only four hours of sleep. He aggravated his position by refusing to pledge allegiance to King James, and it was for this crime that he was tried. During the trial, he accused the king of playing the run runagate of from God and stated that he would acknowledge him no more than an old hat. Found guilty, he was hanged at Glasgow Cross at 10th of March in 1615 at the age of 36. The customary beheading and quartering were omitted owing to the undisguised popular sympathy, and his body was hurried, hurriedly buried in the churchyard at Glasgow Cathedral. His last words were, If there be any hidden Catholics, let them pray for me, but the prayers of heretics I will not have. After he was pushed from the stairs, he threw his concealed rosary out into the crowd, and according to legend, one of his enemies caught it, and subsequently became a devout, lifelong Catholic. After his execution, Ajilva's followers were rounded up and put in jail. They suffered heavy fines, but none received the death penalty. St. John Ajilva, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Jesus said to his disciples, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which one of you would hand his son a stone when he asks for a loaf of bread, or a snake when he asks for a fish? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the Law and the Prophets. 
the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Why does God not answer our prayers then? We're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking, but nothing. Why is that? St. Chrysostom would say, the reasons why so many do not obtain the effect of their prayers are, first, because they ask for what is evil. Second, uh, although what they ask be not evil, they seek it for an evil end. Third, because they who pray are themselves wicked, for God does not hear sinners. Fourth, because they ask with no faith, or with faith that is weak or wavering. Fifth, because although what we ask be good in itself, yet the Almighty refuses it in order to grant us a greater good. Sixth, because God wishes us to persevere. And number seven, according to St. Augustine, as Chrysostom would quote, God often does not grant us what we petition for, that he may grant us something more useful and profitable. Close quote, St. Chrysostom, pray for us. What did you find, Adrian? Yes, the great Cornelius Alapide. Yes, he had a lot to say here. And I was going to summarize, but I was reading it and I was like, I just need to read this to you. He, you know, the, the ask, seek, and knock references. He says, observe these three words, ask, seek, and knock. They mean the same thing. That is earnest prayer. To ask signifies confidence in prayer as a prime requisite. To seek signifies zeal and diligence. For he who seeks for anything applies the whole vigor of his mind to obtain what he seeks. To knock means perseverance. Christ then signifies that we must pray faithfully, diligently, and ardently, and perseveringly. So St. Augustine, who says that ask refers to praying for strength, by which we may be able to fulfill the commandments of God, seek that we may find the truth, and knock that heaven may be opened unto us. To this, we may add the words of Chrysostom, ask, he says, in supplications, praying night and day, seek by zeal and labors, for heaven is not given to those who are slothful. Knock in prayers and fasting and almsgiving, for he who knocks at a door knocks with his hand. Again, these three words denote increasing earnestness in prayer. When anything is asked for, it is first spoken for, by and by. If no answer be given, we cry out. If calling out does not suffice, we seek for some other means of gaining attention. We apply our mouth to some chink in the door by which our voices may be made to reach the master of the house. If that too fail, we beat at the door until we gain a hearing. Hence, Remigius then expounds, we ask by praying, we seek by living well, and we knock by persevering. And others say, ask by faith, seek by hope, and knock by charity. And lastly, the Climacus asks, uh, says, ask by striving, seek by obedience, and knock by long-suffering. So uh, this is excellent stuff. I mean, I wish I could just read this over and over again because he breaks this down in such fundamental levels. But I'm going to just uh, emphasize this one point, the three things that we should have whenever we are knocking. And whenever we are, we uh, ask, so we're calling out to God, right? So we're out here, we're calling out to God, asking God. If that doesn't work, God has desired for us to keep pursuing with more and more vigor. So if the asking, we do not receive the grace that we desire or the grace that God wants to give us, God desires that we then 
uh, seek. So we now we're searching for him. We're trying to figure out the proper way. And if that doesn't work, God desires that we bang on the door to heaven. We bang on the door and shout to him and, and beg him for the graces that he wants to give us. So think about that today. And I highly recommend checking out the whole commentary from Cornelius Lapide today. Thank you, verboom.com, uh, verboom, that's with a V, V-E-R-B-U-M, verboom.com forward slash GRN for generously giving us the tools to dive deep on the passage today and, uh, and dive in and give you some great commentary. All right, time to play our game, Fear and Trembling. If you have never played, let me encourage you. It's fun and it's easy. It's a good time. Join us right now by making that phone call, 877-757-9424. Pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. We'll be right back, but that phone number is 877-757-9424. Looking for a contestant to play the game. Call now. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and don't tell anybody my secrets or my agendas. But there are some things we like to do here, uh, you know, behind the curtain, on the down low, and you got to keep it that way. Deal? Number one, we like to teach the faith. 
We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. Think about the bragging rights. It's a cool deal. Number two, we like to laugh and have a good time, and our callers tend to be the best. I mean, they're really the best. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, number three, we give out prizes, which incentivizes you to call. And we love that. Praise be to God. We love our sponsors. But here's the kicker. We have three Catholic trivia questions, but we do not ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know. They could not know a single correct answer and still win the game. And that's because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, and one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And the correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise God. Our game show sponsor this week is Classic Catholic. The winner this week will receive a beautiful print of the Eucharistic chalice from a Benedictine Abbey design from 1908. My Lord and my God, every time you look at this print, you're going to think about the precious and holy blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Classic Catholic has many other fantastic illustrations on their Etsy page. Please check them out at Classic Catholic. That's one word, Classic Catholic. Thank you very much. Praise be to God. Thank you, Classic Catholic on Etsy. You're amazing. All right, let's go to the phones. Praise be to God. Matt, good morning to you. Good morning. Matt, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm from Saxby, Texas. Texas, praise be to God. And uh, where do you go to church, Matt? Uh, our, our mother of, uh, of uh, perpetual health. Nice. Praise Jesus. Well, we're glad you're here. Have you, uh, have you been listening? Do you know how this game is played, good sir? Yes, listen every day. Praise Jesus. Well, we're grateful that you listen every day. Now, you know that Rudy and Adrian... They're between me and you. They're pretty tricky characters, Matt. So I'm on your side. You do know that, right? I I am on your side. It's you and me. We're together, you and I, against them. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Praise be to God, Matt. We are going to start, as is our custom, our patrimony, our tradition here on the show. Because we, we love the traditions that are handed on to us, either by mouth or, or letter. Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Who handed you this tradition? Mm, I can't tell you. It's one of my secrets and my agendas. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not at liberty to divulge that information. All right. Uh, Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready, Joe. Are you sure? I'm ready to answer one more time. <laughs> <laughs> are you really sure? I'm pretty sure okay. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. <laughs> Rudy, can you tell me who is the patron saint of mountain climbers. This is the easiest question that we've ever had. Really? Yeah. Do you climb mountains? I have before in the past. Oh. I haven't made it to the top, though. No? <laughs> wow. So anyway, the saint is Saint Montagna Trepador. Really? Montagna Trepador. Montagna Trepador is your Spanish. I, I suppose. I have to take your word for that. Huh, let's, I don't know, Matt. I think we ought to get a second opinion. Let's uh, let's see what Ru- or Adrian has to say. Adrian, good That's morning. That's my team. name. Well, we, we covered that yesterday, I was pretty sure. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sometimes I forget. I thought we decided you were going to get a name tag. Um, just so we wouldn't forget. May- maybe. We should get name tags. Hello, my name is Adrian. There you go, folks. All right, Adrian, can you tell me? Who, maybe. Who is the patron saint of mountain climbers, sir? Oh, the patron saint of mountain climbers. Yes. Yes, I needed him mm-hmm. a couple months ago when I went hiking <laughs> with uh, with Father. That would be uh, yeah. Saint Bernard of Menthon. Really? Mm-hmm. He was a canon. 
Who was he? He was. Huh. Saint Bernard of Menthon, you say? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, Matt, this has become trickier than I expected it to be. That's for sure. Uh, Adrian says it's Saint Bernard, whereas uh, Rudy says it's Saint Montagna. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Matt, what say you? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. Let's uh, go with Adrian. You know, it's always a safe bet to go with Adrian. When in doubt, when in doubt, go with Adrian. That's what I always say. Do you realize what you said out loud, Matt? Uh, admitting Adrian is right in public is dangerous business, good sir. However, you were in fact correct, and so is he. Uh, it is St. Bernard of Menthon, and that's the dog is named after him, right? Oh, I had no idea. Uh, but that would make sense because he yeah. would travel through the Alps yeah. many, many times, which was why he became yes. a patron saint of mountain climbers. That's huh. right, mm -hmm. because those pilgrims or, or people were coming across the Alps, and he was up there, and it was a great deal. All yeah. right, you're in the cup. Praise be to God. Matt, you could win. How do you feel? Fantastic. That's awesome. We can. I think we can double your chances here. But I'm going to be honest with you. Hardest question, Dude, uh, at least up today. I have no what you're talking about. This one this is I, easy. Question. I don't know who's picking the questions, but this everybody one, knows the answer. To this next question. Th this is hard. Okay, here Except we go. Whoever gets it wrong. We're going to start with Adrian. Adrian, that's my name. Again, I thought we covered that ground. You know, Short I thought memory loss. I I, ha I don't have object yeah. permanence Not yet. Not one of the trivia questions, just for clarity, is what Adrian's name is. But Adrian, can you tell me the formal transfer okay. of a cleric right. from one diocese mm -hmm. to another is called okay. what? So you, you're taking a cleric, yeah, and moving him out of his diocese, yeah. into another diocese. Uh huh. Okay. Yes, that what would do we be excardination. Excardination. Mm -hmm. That's a fancy term. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, now I'm really curious. Uh, hey, Rudy, can you tell me the formal transfer of a cleric from one diocese to another is called what? Well, the Pope looks to the left. What? And then he says, look to the right. Huh? Two stops. And then he says, the ecclesiastical two-step. <laughs> now get your butt. Out to Antarctica. That's what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what he did. What did you just say? Don't the say formal it again. the formal term the formal term the formal term uh -huh. is the ecclesi ecclesiastical two step. Oh, Somebody, oh, somebody's getting ready for the rodeo before the two stops. Okay, that makes sense. No, did it? I'm <laughs> not sure. Clear. I'm not. That that's what happened to, to the. Okay. Uh, that's what happened to the bishop we talked about today. Matt, let me. Uh, yes, in Puerto Rico. Okay, yep. Matt. Let me help you clarify here. Okay. When you move a priest from one diocese to the next, what's it called? Rudy seems to think, as he's getting ready to go to the rodeo, <laughs> it's the ecclesiastical two-step. Whereas uh, Brother Adrian, who can't seem to remember his own name, uh, seems to think it's the ex-cardination. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Adrian or Rudy? Matt, what say you? Hmm. Well, I haven't learned the two steps yet, so that's so vague. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex uh, is you leaving a diocese yeah. or getting mm -hmm. sent out of a diocese, yeah. and incardination yeah. is whenever you're made yeah. a member of the diocese as I, a priest. I make you a deal, Matt. If you film yourself doing a two-step and send us the video... I will put you in the cup an extra time just because. Okay? <laughs> deal. All right. Third question. We're going to go back to Rudy for this one. Rudy, uh -oh. what is draped over the coffin during a funeral? 
All right, let's get serious here. This is a very somber moment, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No more two-step. <laughs> funeral Paul. That's what you put over. A funeral Paul. Paul. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Piece of cloth. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's just see what Adrian has to say. Hey, Adrian, can you tell hey, Joe. me? What is draped mm-hmm. over the coffin during a funeral? Oh, yes. Well, mm-hmm. you're you're about to take a, a long nap, right? I was. Gonna, gonna get Push put, up daisies. Gonna a dirt put, nap? Going to be put in a, in a dirt bed in a okay. second. Mm-hmm. And so you get a big old blanket and you yeah. put it over the coffin. Like a comforter? Like something? a Mexican bl- blanket? Like a, yes, a tiger blanket. Quilt? Or, <laughs> yeah. Like one, like like my grandma. My great-grandma used to like quilt the, the big thing. Like it doesn't have to be quilted. And they tie them all together. It doesn't have to be quilted. No? So it like, can no, be if you really want it to be. No, that's cozy. There's no canonical specification on qu- on the, the comforter. No, no. It could okay. be of any material. Well, the church in their mercy has given us lots of legroom on this one. I know. I mean, wow. Thousand thread count. One of those like Egyptian cotton? printed Disney blankets you get at Walmart, Well, maybe? that probably would not be appropriate. No? Okay. So now there's rules. Uh, you Matt, know, it's all of a sudden gotten very confusing. Here is the question. What's draped over a coffin at a funeral? Adrian over there seems to think it's your grandmother's quilt. But Rudy <laughs> seems to think it's called something a funeral Paul. I don't know. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Matt, what say you? Mm, let's go with the funeral Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, why would you guess that? <laughs> Gee, I wonder, huh, Matt? <laughs> Just oh, choices, choices. You're in for three, Matt. Praise be to God. There were some tricky ones in there, and you navigated that water very, very well. Congratulations, good sir. Thank you very much. God love you. Have a great day, Matt. I'll be looking for your two-step video, by the way, but we're going to put you on hold. In case it be God's holy will that you should win, tomorrow we'll pull a name out of the cup. It might be yours. I don't know. You'll have to see. But if you would like, dear listener, for your last three opportunities to get it on the prize, well, make sure to call early tomorrow for your last three chances. Otherwise, hey, God love you. Tomorrow, we're going to have another great show. We hope to see you back here, but we're going to have an after show right now. Join us online, grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Thursday of the first week of Lent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Lord, who throughout these forty days for us did fast and pray, teach us with each morn our sins and close by thee to stay. As thou with Satan didst contend and didst the victory win, 
Oh, give us strength in Thee to fight, in Thee to conquer sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Bestow on us, we pray, O Lord, a spirit of always pondering on what is right and of hastening to carry it out. And since without you we cannot exist, may we be enabled to live according to your will. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. reading from the book of Esther. Queen Esther, seized with mortal anguish, had recourse to the Lord. She lay prostrate upon the ground, together with her handmaids, from morning until evening, and said, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, blessed are you. Help me, who am alone, and have no help but you for I am taking my life in my hand. As a child, I used to hear from the books of my forefathers that you, O Lord, always free those who are pleasing to you. Now help me, who am alone and have no one but you, O Lord my God. And now come to help me, an orphan. Put in my mouth persuasive words in the presence of the lion and turn his heart to hatred for our enemy, so that he and those who are in league with him may perish. Save us from the hand of our enemies, turn our mourning into gladness, and our sorrow into wholeness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple and give thanks to your name. 
because of your kindness and your truth, for you have made great above all things, your name and your promise. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. Your right hand saves me. The Lord will complete what he has done for me. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, on the day I call for help, you Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. A clean heart create for me, O God. Give me back the joy of your salvation. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you with your spirit a reading from the holy gospel according to matthew glory to you lord jesus said to his disciples ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened which one of you would hand his son a stone when he asked for a loaf of bread or a snake when he asked for a fish. If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the law and the prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. morning's gospel places before us again the importance of our prayer life and in particular of our petitions that we bring before God and of the power of persevering in terms of what we are asking for of our Heavenly Father. But it also brings before us the question of what is it that we should ask for in prayer. I always love the beautiful line, which one of you would hand his son a stone when he asks for a loaf of bread or a snake when he asks for a fish? And I sometimes wonder if we ourselves aren't the ones who sometimes in our prayer life are asking for stones and snakes instead of for loaves and, and fish. I'm thinking in particular of when we pray for worldly prosperity or earthly prosperity in terms of the things we ask of God for. A lot of times, you know, we, we want victory. We're all very familiar with athletes praying for victory on the field, praying for success. Um, even praying for health, which of course can be a very good thing and a very important thing. But a lot of times our prayer life can be revolving around personal prosperity with respect to health, with respect to material success. Kind of reminds me of an old saying that goes, for every 99 people that can handle adversity, there's only one that can handle prosperity. In other words, sometimes in life when you hit it too big, um, it becomes very difficult for people to keep their life in proper perspective, to keep their relationship with God in proper perspective. I think that's also very true even for cultures. You know, you can think even for us nations sometimes, especially in the West, 
We've enjoyed a lot of material prosperity over the last 50, 60, 70 years, and in our complacency as a culture, it has led us to do some horrid things, such as uh, killing unborn babies for the sake of continued pleasure and things like this. And all of it, again, is a sign of sometimes when things are going too well, we human beings can drift off of the path toward God and toward something else. So this Lenten season, we can again ask ourselves the question, what is it that we should really be asking God for in our prayer life? And here again, we are reminded of the perfect prayer that is given to us by Jesus. In the Our Father, Jesus tells us what we should ask for. I think as an overall context, the first thing we should ask for is to be holy. First words of the Our Father, Our Father place us in relationship with God as a family member. We are the adopted sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, and holiness means behaving and living in a manner that is consonant with the family of God, with the God who is a triune God of perfect love. But then from there we can specify and say, well, every day of our life we should pray to accomplish God's will, that His will would be done in our life however difficult it may seem to us at times, or however challenging it would be. Secondly, that we would pray that we would live in his presence, that we would always live in his grace, that we would always strive to live in the light and live in his presence, which really is living in accord with holiness. In terms of making his name be hallowed, that we would pray that we too would live in an environment where God's name would be hallowed that our families would be places where his name is hallowed, that our workplaces would be places where his name is hallowed and respected. Um, this is a very important thing to pray for. Fourthly, that we would pray that we would be fed by godly things. Of course, in the primary place is the Blessed Sacrament in receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, but also that our minds would be fed with godly things through what we read, through what we listen to, through what we watch. Fifthly, that we would be able to forgive as Jesus has forgiven. This is the great condition for receiving God's forgiveness, that we too would be able to forgive other people. Sixthly, that we would not fall into temptation outside of the perimeters of God's grace by committing a mortal sin in particular. And in line with that, seventhly, that we would be freed from evil. These are really the most essential things to pray for in life. And this is what it means to pray for bread and fish instead of stones and snakes. I think in today's first reading we see with Queen Esther, someone who is a queen has some form of material prosperity and success. But we can see in her plight of desperation, her plight of suffering, she makes a very earnest and desperate prayer before God, which again kind of highlights that oftentimes in life it is when we are suffering that we have the biggest capacity to grow closer to God because we recognize our finitude, we recognize our dependence upon God, and we recognize that we truly are reliant upon God for everything. Uh, we're living now in a time in the world where there are all sorts of things happening which are of grave and urgent concern. And for us then in this Lenten season, they remind us that we too are desperate before God, that we are called to be begging God in prayer, to be knocking at the door and seeking his grace, seeking his wisdom, and seeking his peace for the world that we live in. 
And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would always be spiritually mature in terms of what we are requesting from him, that we would desire personal holiness, that we would desire the great petitions of the Our Father to be our greatest request of God. And let us pray that we would always trust in our Heavenly Father that even when we don't see it or we don't necessarily feel it, that he is in fact answering our prayers and he is leading us toward our salvation. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray for all bishops. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired to promote peace, to enact just laws that would always safeguard the dignity of human life at every phase. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for those who have asked for our prayers, for all those joining us online and through radio, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Ubi caritas et amor. Ubi caritas Deus ibi est. Ubi caritas et amor. Ubi caritas Deus ibi est. Ubi caritas et amor. Ubi caritas Deus ibi est. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church be merciful O Lord to those who approach you in supplication and accepting the oblations and prayers of your people turn the hearts of us all towards you through Christ our Lord amen the Lord be with you and with your spirit lift up your heart we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. 
Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you will that our self-denial should give you thanks. Humble our sinful pride, contribute to the feeding of the poor, and so help us imitate you in your kindness. And so we glorify you with countless angels, as with one voice of praise we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celia terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face, have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. 
Preceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere. Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas sua, Sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis servita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccat amuni, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tolis peccat amuni, miserere nobis. On you stay, Quitulis peccat amundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul, since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally. Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I place 
all my trust in you. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I place all my trust in you. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I place all my trust in you. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I place all my trust in you. Let us pray. We pray, O Lord our God, that as you have given these most sacred mysteries to be the safeguard of our salvation, so you may make them a healing remedy for us, both now and in time to come, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. May the mercy they have hoped for, O Lord, come to those who make supplication to you. And may the riches of heaven be given them, that they may know what is right to ask and receive what they have sought. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Gentle woman, quiet light, morning star, so strong and bright. Gentle mother, Peaceful dove, teach us wisdom, teach us. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Is a co 